Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. We're in the middle of a series um, about hope. And hope is, is just, I don't know if we ever really think too much about hope, but hope is so fundamental to who we are as human beings. There is, I'm really struck by how much potential there is in this room. I'm really struck with how, how many dreams there are, how, how, how much intelligence there is, how many hopes and dreams and, and futures there are, and, and, and how, ma- how many people are ready to grasp that stuff. I'm also really aware of how much anxiety there is how much brokenness there is, how much dysfunctionality there is. It's it's in all of us. We're all this amalgam of potential and hope and and dysfunctional anxiety. And and, and when you look at our world, it's no surprise. We live in a pretty broken world. You you turn your TV on and, and it's really hard not to be bombarded with things that just assault our hearts with fear. Because there are people having their heads chopped off for what they believe in other parts of the world. Because we don't know what the state of our world will be in a few years' time. We don't know what the, what, what, what the power balance will be. We don't know on what side we will end up, if that's even legitimate to say. We, we, Nikki and I are raising our kids into a generation where it's much harder to grow up. I think, for them, than it was for us. It wasn't easy for us, but... The tyranny of choice. No anchors, but myriad opportunities. No absolutes. There's there's nothing that's absolute anymore. But you have a go at anything. And actually, that sounds like freedom, but but it actually becomes imprisonment for people. How are things going to pan out? How's the economy going to pan out? How are my finances going to pan out? Is there a job for me? And into all of this, God speaks this thing called hope. Hope of a different kind. Hope with a different perspective. God is speaking, if you turn your Bibles to um, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 61, we're going to read a passage of scripture which is like really famous. And if you've hung around church at all and you kind of got any Bible knowledge, you will know this stuff and you'll have heard loads of sermons on it. But there is this, there is this prophet that God raises up to speak hope to a people who have gotten hopeless. To, to a people who, who kind of given up on hope. They were the people of God, or at least they thought they were the people of God. They'd, they'd walked with God and God had given them a land. And God had given them a temple, and God had given them his presence, and God had given them a purpose, and God had said, you're supposed to represent me to the world, and God's people had, uh, had basically rejected him and turned their back on him and run away from him. And God had said again and again and again, if you do that, then I will remove those things from you. And they did it, and he did it. And they find themselves in exile in a place called Babylon, a king called Nebuchadnezzar came and he sacked the city of Jerusalem, the holy city, and they find themselves in this place of exile. They find themselves sitting by the Tigris and the Euphrates in Babylon, weeping because they remember what it was like. And they are hopeless. And God raises up this prophet. 
And he, sp- he writes this stuff and he, into the hearts and lives of these people. He speaks hope. He says, God has not forgotten you. There is a way back. And I want you to listen to these words, not just with that historical understanding in your head. I want you to listen to these words with a very personal understanding and take a look at your lives and take a look at this world and take a look at your brokenness and my brokenness and your dysfunctionality, my dysfunctionality, your anxieties, my anxieties, your what God and how God and how is this going to work out and can I trust? And listen to what the prophet says and listen to where hope is found. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. God says there is hope. And that hope, that hope for the people of God is not actually found in the temple or the land. And that hope for you and I is not actually found in money, more, more of it or less of it, or politics, right or left, or, or distraction. Whatever your particular distraction, a night in or a night out, Netflix or or the pub or whatever, whatever your distraction, it's not going to be, your hope is not found in those things very clearly. The hope is God. The answer to hope is the spirit of God. That's what the prophet's saying. The answer to your hope for your future is the spirit of God. The world is broken because its people are broken. Relationally broken, psychologically broken, spiritually broken, because generations of us broke from the only one who can make us whole. Generations of us said, God, we don't need you, we run away from you. We can handle life, thank you very much, without you. And it got broken. We lived as if we could live without reference to the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God is the dealer in hope. And so Isaiah begins to write and starts off by saying, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And he writes this incredible hope-filled stuff for a people who had no idea whether there would be a future or if there would be a future, how the future was going to pan out for them. 
And Isaiah is incredibly realistic. He's not like kind of sugarcoating this thing and pretending it's something that it isn't. I mean, check this out. Verse one and two and three, he says, life sucks. There's poverty and brokenheartedness and captivity and imprisonment and mourning and grief and ashes and despair. There are places of devastation. There are cities that are ruined. It's just a total and utter mess. And if you did any social analysis of our nation and our world, you'd probably end up going tick, 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 tick. But God is doing something huge. God is planning something enormous. A cosmic reversal is taking place. God is going to send his spirit on his people and they are going to carry hope. This is good news to the poor. It's good news to the exiled people and it's good news to you. It's good news to the people of Edinburgh. Those who are poor economically, those who are poor spiritually. Brokenhearted people are going to get bound up. Your brokenness is going to get healed. The Hebrew word here for brokenness is the word sabah. And it means crushed, destroyed, shattered. And the picture is a picture of a clay pot which has just been thrown on the ground and scattered, scattered, shattered into like a thousand pieces within the spirit of God those thousand pieces get rebuilt and like kind of super glued together broken hearted people whatever your brokenness is in the spirit of God it gets healed captives prisoners get freed prisoners who are bound financially addicted bound to patterns of behavior the year of the lord's favor is coming a year of debts being canceled when god does a total redo of forgiveness and equal opportunities for everyone god is making stuff right it's beautiful poetic stuff god says this is this incredible divine exchange that's going to occur. And when we read it, we don't really get it. We say it's just poetry stuff. But the people who are listening to this stuff, they understood totally that when they talked about beauty for ashes and oil of joy, they understood that if you were in deep mourning, if life had kicked you in the teeth, if, if you'd lost somebody, then what you would do is you'd take ashes and you'd tip it on your head and you'd cover yourself in ashes for days, weeks, and months. And God says, you were mourning so broken. You thought everything had been destroyed for you, but instead of your ashes, I'm bringing the oil of joy and celebration and party into your life. There's such a divine redo that's going on and exchange. I'm giving you praise instead of a spirit of despair, instead of a spirit of heaviness and hopelessness. You know what that feels like, don't you? Kind of heavy. When you woke up in the morning, you think, oh, it's another day of having to deal with the same stuff, of hopelessness, of broken hearts, of inner hurts. I'm giving you praise in the spirit of God. He's gonna rebuild ancient ruins, says the prophet. He's gonna restore places long devastated. In other words, sink estates become well-watered gardens in the economy of God. No-go areas become let's-go areas for the people of hope. And the people of God must have been thinking, wow, this is great stuff. We're going home. It's probably all they thought, actually. It's very simplistic. We're going home. We're going back to Jerusalem. We're going back to the temple. We're going back to, to, to our land. We're going back to the way we used to live. And God's going, no, no, I'm doing something so much bigger than that. It's not just your circumstances that are getting restored. It's your calling that's getting restored. 
It's not just the fact that you were in the land that's getting restored. It's, it's your calling to be slap, back in the, slap bang in the center of everything I'm doing in this world that's getting restored. I am placing you in the center of my repair job for this world because you're getting healed up so that you might be healers. You're getting restored so that you might be restorers. You are shining with the oil of joy so that other people might see the oil of joy shining and get hope in their lives. That's what I'm about doing. That's what I'm about doing. That's what this is for. That's why we gather. We don't gather so we might sing great songs, although they are great songs. We don't gather so we can be really hot, although it is really hot in here. We don't, we don't do that things. We don't gather to hear me preach and work out whether it's good enough to buy a ticket to Klan or any of that kind of stuff. We gather so that we might be reminded of hope so that we might be reminded of who we are and what we're for, so the Spirit of God might continue to do that work of healing and restoration in our brokenness, in our broken lives, so that we might continue to be the restorer of ruins and the healer of broken hearts. That's what this is for. Tonight even, he wants to take your brokenness and your busted heart and heal it and restore you and position you to be a healer. That's what he's doing. Tonight even, he wants to take your prison and he wants to shine his light and he wants to open the gate and he wants to set you free. And guess what happens? You then become a liberator of other people's prisons. Tonight even, he wants to take your deep, melancholic darkness and bring his deeper joy and make you an encourager, a counselor of the Lord. Tonight even he sees your pain and your mourning and he's gonna use your experience of his faithfulness in the midst of your doubts and your questions to minister hope to those who are going through exactly the same thing. God is going to redo. God is going to reuse. God is going to restore. That's what he's doing. That's what he's always doing. This is massive. It's central to who we are. It's central to why we bother. God doesn't bypass us because we're messed up. Otherwise, he'd use none of us. He chooses to do a work in us and then through us. That's what he's doing. This is massive because around 700 years later, Jesus shows up on the scene and he takes this very passage and he says, this is my theme tune. This is, this is the tune I hang around. I don't know if this is true for you, but I kind of think that everyone has a theme tune in life. If you ever come to a party at my house, you have to play the game. What is the theme tune that you enter into the room, every room? I have a, a few that I think is one of them's Rocky theme tune, you know, kind of songs that, but this is Jesus' theme tune. This is what Jesus hangs out with. Jesus, when he stands up for the first time and he preaches, this is his first go at preaching in his hometown with his parents around and his, and his family around. And he stands up and he gets the prophet Isaiah and he gets to 61 and he says, the sovereign, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is me. This is what I'm about. 
And he resolutely refuses to adopt the posture of all the other spiritual leaders of the day. They were either blenders or they were separators. They were either those who just hang out with what everyone else was doing and didn't disturb the status quo. Or they were those who just separated themselves and hang out because they were scared of getting kind of contaminated by the world. But Jesus says, I'm neither of those things. I am a restorer, a liberator, a healer, a rescuer. I bring hope. This is what I am. Good news to poor people. That's me. Recovery of sight for the blind, that's me. Prisoners get released, that's on me too. Brokenhearted people get, get, get restored and bound up, that's, that's me, that's what I'm all about. And he sets his face towards the cross and he dies and he rises again for this stuff. And then he gets this really cool thing. The end of his life, he's commissioning his, his guys, he's commissioning you. And he says this, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. In other words, in exactly the same way, with exactly the same anointing, with exactly the same theme tune in your ears. And he breathes on them and they receive the same Holy Spirit. He says, go. Go. Guys, we have anointing for this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on us for this. It's not, it's not just that we might do great worship services or have a great building or have a good reputation in Edinburgh. It's so that this will happen. So that these things will happen. Every time one life is touched and one person is set free, we walk in our anointing. Every time one debt is managed and one refugee is taken in, we walk in our anointing. Every time, every time one lost person is found, one community is loved, one business rediscovers grace and compassion and justice, the hope of the kingdom comes and we walk in our anointing. Every time we plant ourselves and place ourselves in vulnerability, in places where God needs to shine his light, we walk in our anointing. That's what it's for. This is for that. That stuff. And if we're honest, when we read this passage of scripture, God's plan doesn't look too hot or likely to succeed. Because, <laughs> I mean, just honestly, look around. Really, I mean, just turn and look. This is the plan. This is God's master plan for the universe. This is his plan for Edinburgh. This is, this is what he's doing. He's, he's doing it in me and he's doing it in you. That's the best plan he's got. In fact, it's the only plan he's got. He's wanting to do deep transformation in you so that you in turn get to be part of his deep transformation for the city. Broken people like you and me, imprisoned people like you and me, doubting people like you and me, dysfunctional people like you and me get to be cleaned up, restored, healed, commissioned and sent that's the best he's got and then we get called look at this oaks of righteousness a planting for the display of the glory of God and it sounds so nuts but it's incredible how smart this is because God is just taking a bunch of people that he has gotten hold of their hearts and he knows the deep yearning of all people's hearts. And he's using his people to connect with it. The Spirit of God today is drawing people to his glory. 
And he's calling people back to righteousness. And he's set up everybody for this. We're hardwired to seek glory. And we're desperate for righteousness. We just would never call it that. We would never communicate it that, that way, but, but everybody is. Everyone is created with the God responder mechanism in their hearts and lives, and we're hardwired for glory, and we're seeking righteousness. The problem is we seek glory in all the wrong places because we disconnected from God and ran away from him. Our hearts are seeking glory. We're just seeking it in education or, or possessions or relationships and and those things are all interesting and they're not bad, but they're, they're designed to set up illusions of glory. Like candy floss that's in your mouth one moment and then it's all gone. Illusions of glory that are just there, but they're designed to keep us from the one for whose glory we're supposed to live. We're seeking glory, we're just seeking it in all the wrong places. And our hearts are disappointed and our hearts are aching because we're, we were made for glory. We were made to reflect the glory of the one in whose image we were created. We're made to seek his glory. It's kind of set up for us. People are aching for this stuff. And we're desperate for righteousness. Oh, we, 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 we'd never call it righteousness. But we're actually desperate to be right with God. Our hearts are clamoring for to be, to be right with God. We're made to be right with him. And when we reject him, and when we run from him, it's just a mess. And when generations of us run from him, the world is a mess. And, and that's where we are right now. The world doesn't have a moral north. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't know where right and wrong is. And, and, if, and if it does, it's, it, it refuses to articulate that because it's scared. The truth is we all want rules and regulations. We just don't want them for ourselves. We, we want to know what's right and wrong. We want a God who's going to judge stuff. We want a God who's going to say there are certain things that are wrong. We long for an anchor for the soul. We want a God who's going to deal with inequality. We want a God who's going to root out evil. We want a God who's going to say there's something about Syria that's wrong. And I'm going to deal with it. We want a God that says that a twin track society is wrong where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That there's something wrong about that. We want a God that, that says there's something about what's going on in Calais that is wrong. I want to deal with it. We want a God that knows that child abuse is wrong, any kind of abuse is wrong. We want a God who judges these things, who says right and wrong, black and white. We want that kind of God. The reason that our kids are bored and disobedient and our marriages fall and fail and our finances are stuffed is we've got a glory problem and we've got a righteousness problem. Our hearts are aching for glory. We're just looking for it in the wrong places. Our hearts are wired for righteousness. We just don't like it when it hits us in the face. And we, we're the broken ones. We're the betrayed ones, we're the rejected ones, we're the upset ones, we're the healed ones, we're the restored ones, we're the forgiven ones. And God is bringing his good news to bear. He's sending his son who's giving his spirit, who's ushering in the kingdom 
And he's saying glory and righteousness, glory and righteousness. And he's making the world right again. And he's pouring out his spirit. And you will shine righteousness and justice and transformation, restoration, salvation, beauty, creativity, oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of the glory of God. The world says you are hopeless and you are useless and you are unable to do anything. But the spirit of God says oaks of righteousness a planting for the display of the glory of God. People will see your lives. People will see your healing. People will see your forgiveness. People will see your restoration. People will see your hope and they will come to the light. That's what I'm doing, he says. That's the hope. That's the hope. The Spirit calls you priests and ministers. Look at verse 6. The world calls you broken and hopeless, but the Spirit calls you priests and ministers. To priest just means to stand in the gap between God and man and man and God. It's to mediate. It's to, it, it's to be the one who says, these people need you, God. And it's to be the one who says, God is needed by you. You need God. To stand in the gap and to mediate. To minister just means to serve, to love, to reach out. So this is for that. This community prays for the sick and asks God to heal. This community in the Holy Spirit preaches Jesus, saves the lost, feeds the poor. This community in the Holy Spirit helps people get out of debt, introduces them to a heavenly father. This community starts detox facilities and runs recovery houses. This community cares that nursing homes are being shut down. This community is bothered enough to get involved because we're restorers. That's who we are. This community refuses to be saved and safe, but becomes dealers in hope. Our history is restoration. So our priority becomes restoration. And so we allow the Holy Spirit of God to plant us in Ox Gangs, and Craig Miller, and Stenhouse, and Leith, and Pilton, and Morningside, Newtown, Brunsfield, Buxton, Collington, Boromir School, Watsons. Priest your street. Priest your street. Represent God to the people who live amongst. Minister to your community. Pastor your people because there is hope. God is redoing. Guys, I'm really aware of this. I don't think any of us will ever get to the end of our days and say, I wish I took it safer. I don't think any of us are going to get to the end of our days and go, do you know, I wish we hadn't taken so many risks I suspect most of us will get to the end of our days and say, why didn't we, why don't we bet more? Why don't we go harder? Why don't we have another go? Why don't we take more risks? Why don't we, why don't we worry so much about failing? Why don't we have a go at these things? This is the community of hope. The wounded healer. The broken mender. And so tonight, even after that rant, there is hope in this room for addiction because he's the healer. There is hope in this room for eating disorders 
that you have lived with for years and you have hidden really well, but not from him. There is hope in this room for debt, even the debt that you've never told anybody about, that you carry in your heart and makes you broken hearted. There is hope for self-loathing. There is hope for shame. There is hope for fear. There is hope for healing. There is hope for restoration of relationships. There is hope for salvation. And guys, listen, the hope isn't just that you get yourself healed up. I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? The hope isn't just that you get yourself healed up so that you feel better about yourself and you can wake up in the morning and not feel that kind of gut-wrenching feeling of brokenness and desperation. The hope is that you get healed up and then you become a healer. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? The hope is you get healed up and then you become a restorer. The hope is that you, you have your life turned around and then you become one who helps other people's lives turn around. The hope is that, that your life is not some kind, of, some kind of vessel where God just fills up good stuff in you and you carry it around all the time, but your life is more like a conduit of the blessing of God that comes in and the blessing of God flows out to everyone around you. We priest our streets and we minister in our neighborhoods and we pastor our people because we carry hope. Let's pray. Just allow that word of God to just... um, Settle. Once again, as always, there is fleshy stuff in there that just needs to blow away on the wind, Holy Spirit. But there is stuff of you that is for us. There is a deep work of the Holy Spirit tonight for healing and for restoration. There is an invitation from God tonight to leave here different with hope. With hope. There is an invitation for a divine exchange where you get to exchange your despair for his joy. And there is a call of God there is a call to step out as priests and ministers. Where are you planted? As oaks of righteousness, where are you planted? So Holy Spirit, would you just come?